Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. It is so good to have you with us this morning, as we've already mentioned a few moments ago. If you would take your Bibles and open them to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, that is going to be the focal point, or the launching point, rather, of what we're going to talk about this morning, Acts chapter 2. So, as the week kind of went on, I know that over the last few weeks we've been studying from uh, the book of First, or Second Corinthians, and I was looking at what was supposed to be kind of the next lesson in that series, and was uh, studying those things and reading those things. But as the week has gone on, my heart and my thoughts have just kind of gone in different directions. I, I've kind of had a week where I've done a lot of thinking, a lot of reflecting on just really the year that we've had up to this point. I mean, even in my own personal life, my own personal life has been a whirlwind in the last year. So we moved last October, and that was moving is always an interesting experience, right? So we moved last October, and then we had a baby in December, and and that was you know, I've, we've, we've got a few of those. We've had a few of those, and those are always interesting experiences. And then we've had the COVID stuff that's happened, and there's just been a, there's just, it's just been a whirlwind of a year. And, and you, you take, so there's, there's kind of been this personal reflection that I've done this week, just kind of in my own life. And, and then I've, I've been thinking about challenges that we have faced as, as a church. We've been in transition with leadership. Uh, that's always an interesting and, and, and has its own challenges. We've we've had political challenges as as a country. We've you know not to not to 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 talk good or bad about one side or another, but it's been challenging as Americans. There, there's been a lot of things happen in our country that are emotionally charged, and people get emotionally invested and emotionally involved, and that's okay. We we should we should our country and want what's best for our country, but, but there's been so many things that have just challenged us. Now, set that over here for just a second, okay? So Monday, what I do a lot of Mondays is, is Mondays are usually my least hectic day. Um, Tuesdays, we go to the school to work on um, lunches. Wednesdays, we have our 2.30 class. Thursdays are kind of wrap-up days for me on, on sermon prep and different things. So Mondays are kind of a day that I get to do maybe a little self-reflecting. I listen to some podcasts, maybe a sermon from somebody else, uh, just to kind of fill myself up. While well, I was looking for something to listen to uh, Monday morning, and I found this slide, the sermon slide, that said, what's next? How to dream big with God. And that really caught my attention, you know, that that I mean, that was the whole point of the cover slide. It was to catch your attention. And so I started listening to this guy's sermon, and it is a sermon for whatever, can't remember what the church was, but it was their Vision Sunday from the beginning of this year, the first sermon of the year. And he starts off this sermon with this real big energetic, you know, just how great 2020 is going to be. This is going to be the best year that any of us have ever had, and we're going to accomplish all these great things and wonderful things, and by the end of the year, we're going to have grown, and, and I thought that, that sermon didn't age well at all. And then I got to thinking, what did I preach on the first Sunday of the year? 
And so let me ask, do you remember what I preached on in January? None of you? I didn't either. So I had to go back and look. I preached on the life of Jesus. That has held up, I think, a little bit more than, you know, vision of 2020 because it's been a roller coaster, hasn't it? It's been a roller coaster. It's been up and down. Uh, we're still in the middle of a lot of it. Uh, the, the challenges that we face as a church with, with COVID. So this week I had a phone call from a good friend of mine who's a minister in Tennessee. And last Sunday, I mean, we, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of different opinions about how we need to handle church service and different things. And we've gone to these split services and, and yeah, it's hard to know what to do. But I was talking to a buddy of mine and last Sunday they had a mass spread event in their congregation. And of the hundred or so people that were there by Friday, 40 of them had tested positive for the virus. And I mean, that's, you know, you, you, you like to think maybe, maybe we're moving in a positive direction or how do you handle this and handle that? And then you hear a story like that. And, and, and as a minister, I mean, it, it just, it scares me, you know, because I don't want that to be us. I don't want us to have to face that challenge. So you wonder how, how and when will anything normal ever happen again? Do any of you ever feel that way? How and when will anything normal ever happen again? And so this week I've been thinking and I've been studying and I've been praying and my mind has gone back to this Acts chapter 2 passage so many times because it's, it's one of my favorites in all of Scripture. And, and I look at it, I mean, it's like this, it's this great you know, snapshot of this wonderful beginning of the church and there's all these great things happening and going on and, and people are giving and people are fellowshipping and they're, they're communing together. and they're, It's just, you look at it and you're like, man, I, I would love to be in a place like that. I, I said this morning once already, like I read this, this passage and, and all the positive stuff that's going on at the church there, and it makes me just want to have a big group hug. You know, I, I just wish we could have a big group hug this morning. But then there's that challenge of, well, what if? You know, it's just so challenging. But, you know, before you get to the, the greatness of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, I think the apostles went through their own what's next. What's next? So Jesus had told them, look, after I leave, you spend time in Jerusalem. You stay where you are, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And there was a period of time that they just, Jesus had gone, at the beginning of Acts chapter 1, you see Jesus ascending back into heaven, and he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak of, for John baptized you with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they had this waiting time. They had this period. of they, they were, their, their leader, Jesus, was gone. They watched him ascend in a magnificent way back into heaven, but he's gone all of a sudden. And so he had always given them direction. He had always given them guidance. When, when you needed that wise bit of you know, that wise comment in a moment, it always came from Jesus. And now all of a sudden, what's next? So what do they, they do? They do a few things. They replace an apostle. That's, that's a big thing. But otherwise, they stay in Jerusalem and they pray. They stay in Jerusalem and they pray. And, and it's the type of prayer, it's the type of prayer that shook the foundations of their building. Look in chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rested on each of them. 
All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So their patience and their prayer opened the door for this promised Holy Spirit. And then from that point, you see all the great things in Acts chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 38, verses 42 through 47. But it starts with patience and prayer. And this morning, I wish, I told Blair last night, I wish I had some type of big, exciting prayer ministry to roll out and say this is some things that we're going to do, but, but it doesn't have to be that complicated. Sometimes ministries can be complicated and get in the way of what they're actually trying to accomplish. This morning, what I want to challenge you with is we go through the month of November and December as we get ready to go into 2021 and we wonder what's next. I want to challenge you to maybe renew your focus on prayer. To renew your focus on prayer and make prayer a priority to be patient over the next couple of months and just talk to God. Just pray to God and share with God the things that are in your heart. And there's, there's some certain ways that I think that we can do that and see great things accomplished. And it starts in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Go with me there, 1 Timothy chapter 2. As we maybe renew our commitment to prayer. I think it's important for us to make sure that we pray for each other. Make sure that we pray for each other. So Timothy is this young preacher, and he's, and he's in the church in Ephesus, and he's been sent to solve some church problems. There's some arguing going on. There's people that are, that are concerned about things that they really don't need to be concerned about. They have no bearing on their faith whatsoever, but it's their tradition, and they're, they're still holding on to those things. And Paul kind of gives him his charge in chapter 1, but then in chapter 2, he begins to tell him how to deal with all of these things. He says in verse 1, I urge you then, first of all, if you underline things in your Bible, underline that word, that phrase, first of all. What does first of all mean? It means do it what? First. Before you do anything else, before you worry about anything else, first of all, the first thing you do is that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. He says the first thing you do in your ministry, the first thing you do as you're wondering what's next, is he said, you pray. You pray. And who do you pray for? You pray for all those that you're ministering to. You pray for each other. Let me ask you a question. How often do you pray for the members of your church family? Let me ask it to you this way. You may think, well, I pray for members of our church family all the time. How often do you pray for members of our church family who aren't sick? Okay, it's good to see the hoods back with us up here this morning. A lot of people have prayed for them over the last week, a couple of weeks. Why? Because they've been sick. We've been worried about them. We've been concerned about them. We've been worried and concerned about you guys for a little while, sin and shade down here. We prayed for them, you know, while they were sick. There's, you know, the, um, I start calling names, Alan Stacy, and I forget them. And I don't know y'all's names real well yet anyway. Alan and Stacy, when they were sick, what do we do a lot of? We prayed a lot for them. We pray for a lot of times for people when they're what? Sick or struggling. But when's the last time you just loved a brother enough that you just, you just made it a point to pray for them? Because you loved them. Because you cared about them. I want to challenge you. And this is something that I'm going to do with you. I want to challenge you. And if you need a list of church members, we'll get them for you. But I want to challenge you every day 
to take a couple of names of church members, and I want you to pray for them. And, and Paul uses some different words for prayer here. He says, he says there's petitions, and that's when you go to God and you've got like a purpose. I, I want to make sure this happens, okay? So God, I'm coming to you with a very specific prayer request. And then he says to, 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 to just prayers. Okay, and that's just general request to God is what that word means. And then intercessions, and that's when you go on behalf of someone else that you know that sin is, is dealing with this chocolate chip cookie addiction, and I'm going to keep on with that for a while. And, and you know that he's struggling with this, and so you're going to go on his behalf to God and ask God to help him with these things, and then thanksgiving, and, and we all understand what thanksgiving is. So as you, as you begin to pray for other members of our church, Pray for them in that way, through petitions and prayers, intercession and thanksgiving. You know, as you come to the names of some of our young married couples, pray for them and their marriage. As you come to our young families, pray for the parents. Pray for sanity. I saw somewhere the other day, it said I looked up all of my symptoms on Google, ends up I just have kids. I feel that way sometimes. Pray for our children that God will become the most important thing in our life. Pray for our older married church members. Pray for our church family. We need to pray for each other. But then, and maybe this is a message that we need to hear this morning, verse 2, also pray for kings and those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Now, as you drive through Haleville and Winston County, there's these little red signs that are in most everybody's front yard. And see if you can finish this statement for me. Winston County is Trump country. That's what they say, okay? And I'm not going to talk political parties here, but I'm going to say this. When the guy that you want to win the presidency or any election loses, you, you tend to feel cheated or disappointed or whatever. And in our particular environment today, our election is, has been very, very emotionally charged. Interestingly enough, Scripture tells us something about how we deal with leaders of our country. It says we pray for them, we respect them, and we obey them. And the other thing you do is you worry about kingdom things. You pray for them, you respect them, you obey them. Not to the point of disobeying God, obviously, but you do those three things as Christians. And here he says, and maybe this is a message that we need this morning for our community, who obviously the majority of our community felt one way about the election results instead of the other, that maybe what we need to do right now is be in prayer, not gripe, not complain, not fuss, but be in prayer. Because you see, when you take problems and put them in prayer, completely change your perspective of what's going on, and you realize and you come to the conclusion that God is in control, and that's all that matters. The God that created the universe today is still in control just like He was yesterday. Amen? Oh, just one of you believe that and get that? Then maybe we do some more soul searching and we pray. And we pray for the best for our leaders and we respect them and we obey. And then we let our focus totally be 
on the kingdom of God and praying for each other and moving forward in the kingdom. So we need to pray for each other. Why? Verse 3, because this is good, and it pleases God, our Savior. And that's who I want to please above anything else. All right, so we pray for each other. That's the first thing that I want us to do. The second thing is not just pray for each other. I want us to pray with each other. You know, prayer is very personal. I get that. But there are times in our life where prayer with other people is so important because we are family. And when we share our struggles through prayer and when we, when we share our, and celebrate you know, the blessings through prayer, there's something that is just great about doing it together. Okay, so let's go to James chapter 5. And he says, first off in verse 13, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. All right? Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Now, I love that verse because we're all about, finish this statement, book, chapter, verse. If the Bible says it, book, chapter, verse, we're supposed to what? Supposed to do it, right? So how many of you sing songs of praise when you feel blessed by God? Some of us do. Some of us like to sing. You know, Some of us enjoy expressing our, our feelings and emotions that way. But maybe we should not just be prayerful, we should be joyful in song, not necessarily with other people. Maybe it's just in your car, maybe it's in the shower, wherever it might be. But if you don't sing songs of praise by yourself to God, I encourage you to start doing that and trying that. Why? Because James says, hey, if you're happy, sing songs of praise, lift those things to God. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now, there is an overreaching theme in this section that I think is so important. He says, if you're sick, who do you pray with? Your elders. You pray with a group of people. When you sin, who do you talk to? Somebody, a group of people. Because that power, that prayer of righteous people is powerful and effective. This is a the, book, chapter, verse, okay? This is a passage that I think has given many Christians pause because we don't exactly know what to do with it sometimes. But I, I want to talk to you from a personal place for just a moment. Um, my son, where's Vance? Is he here this morning? Yeah, he's here. Vance is a mama's boy through and through, okay? Collins is a mama's, is a daddy's girl. Vance is a mama's boy. Britton is whoever benefits her the most at the moment. And at the moment, London's all about Sydney. So um, Vance, when Vance started talking, I would tell Vance, I love you, bud. And he'll go, I love mama so bad. Like, that was his response to I love you for the first, like, two years he could talk. I love you, son. I love mama so bad. And the first time he told me I love you back, I sat on the stairs and cried. I was so emotional about it, okay? And um, now you ask him who's his favorite, and he told me the other day, he goes, I love mom more, but you're my favorite. So he liked to split it down the middle, but he loves his mom more, and that's all that matters, right? So as much as we love Vance, as much as Vance is a mama's boy, Vance is a product of great prayer and faith and practice of this passage. Vance was born deaf. 
Vance was born deaf. Vance could not hear when he was born. Vance failed. And what made us realize this was, again, I thought it was just he was a mama's boy, but when we would sit in the bed when he was old enough to kind of sit up and, you know, look at you and smile at you, we'd sit in the bed and Blair would have him, and I'd be like, hey, Vance, buddy, look over here at Dad. And, like, he'd never look at me. So he's always been, like, he's always been all about his mom. But we started to realize that he's not responding to sound at all. So we took him to the pediatrician. They ran some tests on him there. He failed them. We took him to the local ENT. They ran some tests on him. He failed them. They wanted to send him to the children's hospital in Little Rock. And we were talking about, we were going to Little Rock to talk about you know, some, some different ways to deal with this thing. We were starting to learn sign language. Um, I mean, it was a very emotional time. I mean, we would stand in his bedroom at night with a galvanized tub, and we would just beat on it as hard as we could to try to wake him up. And he would never move. He wouldn't budge. I mean, nothing, sound never affected him, which was good because Collins was pretty loud at that point, and he slept really well. Um, so we're getting ready for our doctor's appointment in Little Rock with the Children's Hospital and the specialists there. And that particular summer, uh, I'm, I'm studying and preaching prayer on Sunday morning. So this, this passage of James had obviously come up in my study several times, right? Because it's all about prayer. And, and I told Blair, I'm like, you know, I think I've, I've been studying this, and I said, I want to do this. I want to practice verses 14 and 15, and I want the, these elders to, to be a part of this. And... Um, in this way. I said, I want to put God at the middle of every bit of this. And so the next day, one of our elders called and said, hey, before you go to this appointment, we want to know if there's anything we can do for y'all. And I said, yeah, I want us to do this. I want us to do this. Never seen it done. Never heard it really talked about, preached on, because I don't think we know what to do with it sometimes, but I want to do this. And uh, he said, okay, yeah, we'll do it. Absolutely. And so they met us a couple of days later, we had this amazing together, okay, together. I think that's one of the keys to this passage. We did it together where these men came in, and they, there was four of them. They all, one grabbed, two of them grabbed a foot, one of them grabbed an arm. They, they rubbed olive oil on his head. He had a grease spot on his head for three weeks. Um, and they just prayed. And they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. So... The day before we go to Little Rock, Vance is in his jumper in the middle of the, of the living room, and Blair's in the kitchen. They can see each other, but his back's to her. And uh, she goes, hey, Vance, hey, buddy. And he goes, huh? Turns and looks at her. And, and we didn't think a whole, you know, we didn't want to think a whole lot about it, okay? We take him to Little Rock. They start running the test. They come back in, and they're like, your son can hear just fine. And we're like, no. They're like, no, he can hear just fine. And they've got all of his papers, and they go, but here's the strange thing. They go, these are not tests that you fail at the doctor's office here, fail at the doctor's office here, and then show up here and all of a sudden pass them. That's just not the type of test that these are. They go, we don't know what to say. So we tell them what's happened. And this is what this doctor tells us. God has healed your son. God has healed your son. I'm not going to pretend to know what happened between the last failed test, the prayer with our elders, and the test at Little Rock. Other than this, God answers prayers. 
And it's important for us not to feel like our prayer journey is a journey that takes place just as individuals. Because I think one of the greatest powers of verses 14 is in calling the elders together. Is having that group of people together when you pray. And when you're struggling with sin in your life, to get together with other people and share those burdens. Because we are meant to be a church that lives in community with one another. Even though we're challenged right now with some of that, that doesn't change the fact that we can't be praying for each other and with each other. Because it is through praying with righteous, faithful men that I truly believe God heard our prayer and answered our prayer. And I want us to be a church that fully and truly believes that the power of God is unleashed through the power of prayer because He says that it is all throughout Scripture. And so let's, let's be a church that prays with each other and for each other. And then finally, I want you to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And as the rule goes, since I talked about Vance this morning, I have to pay him $5. My kids have that rule with me. If I use them in my sermon, I have to give them something. I don't know how I feel about that, but... Verse 16. See, this is what prayer does. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. How many of you are sometimes happy and sometimes you're not happy? Let's all raise our hands, okay? We're all that way. All right? But he tells us that we're always supposed to be joyful because our joy is anchored in Christ, not in things going on around us. So let's always be joyful. All right, so rejoice always. Well, how, how, do, how can I rejoice always? How is that possible? Well, what's the next thing that he says here? These are building blocks. Rejoice always. How? Pray continually. Make prayer something that is part of your life Every single day, different times and different moments of the day. Prayer doesn't always have to be formal. Prayer can be short. Prayer can be long. Prayer can be whatever it needs to be for you in that moment. But he says, make it something that is continual and always something part of your day. And when you pray, listen, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, let's focus in on give thanks here for a second, because I think that we all have a tendency of praying, I want and I need prayers. And I'm, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what prayers and petitions and intercessions are about. It's about asking God to do things and make things happen and make things work and make things better and heal things. But if we're not careful, we get into a, an operation of I need, I want prayers from God or to God. But he says here to give thanks in all circumstances regardless of what you're praying for, regardless of how dire the moment is, regardless of how stressful it is, you need to find time and a way to give what? To give thanks to God. Now, several years ago, and this is something that I want you to do with me for the next eight weeks, because I'm going I'm, I'm to get back to doing it a lot more than I have been, but I've got a notebook in my office that I started a couple of years ago, and it is a, um, it's just a composition notebook, and I opened it up one day, and I've got a line drawn down the middle of several pages, and I've got requests and answers. And so I started, when I started praying, I started writing down, journaling, however you want to call it, things that I was asking God for. 
And then within a couple of weeks, what I saw was these things that in all honesty, I would have forgotten that I had kind of prayed about if I hadn't have been keeping a record of it. I see these things that I'm praying about, and over the next few weeks, guess what starts happening? They start being answered. And so in the answered column, I've got dated when I asked for them, and then I've got answered when I, I've got dated when they were answered. And so when I would start to pray, what I would do is I would go to that page or those pages, and before I started any request to God, I would just thank Him for all of these prayers that He had answered. Some of them big prayers, as we would call them, some of them little prayers. And I tried to start my prayer life, my, my prayer, with prayers of thanks. And I think it totally changes your perspective. It deepens your faith because you see that these just aren't requests that are just going to the ceiling and stopping. God is hearing these things. This is faith in action. God is actually answering these things that I'm asking for. And I want to take a moment and stop and, and thank Him for them. I, I do it a little bit different now. I've got an app on my phone that does the same thing. Maybe you want, if you want it, I, I can share it with you. Um, but really, there's, to me, Nothing more powerful than just pen and paper with this particular exercise. And so I challenge you, over the next eight weeks, as we renew our focus on prayer, as we pray for each other and pray with each other, to journal your prayers so that you can keep up with what God is doing in your life. And when you see those answered prayers, when you see those answered prayers, your faith will grow. I promise you, your faith will grow because you'll see God living in your life. All right, that's all I got for you today. I hope that it strengthened you and encouraged you in some way. Let's close with a prayer, and then the lesson will be yours. God, I thank you so much for answered prayers. I thank you for a God that, that is powerful and mighty and works in our lives every day. Help us to, to, to be mindful of that, God. Help us to realize that. Help us to be a prayerful church that, that unleashes your power into our lives and into our community. God, we just thank you for answering, for hearing, for listening. We pray that we are patient prayer, prayer warriors, that when we don't get immediate answers, that we'll, we'll, be pray, we'll be patient and realize that maybe the answer's down the road, but it may not be immediate. But help us to be that type of person that prays regardless. We thank you for our church family. We thank you for the blessings that you shower upon us. May we always live our lives knowing that you are supreme above all and in control of all. We thank you, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, We'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.